Get ready to kick off your Sunday shoes and get foot loose. Tonight, we're going to talk about a topic that is controversial in many churches still and even taboo. So here we go again. We're hitting another taboo topic, and that topic is the topic of dance. Jeff and Alina Perot from Axe in Motion are going to join us not just to talk about dance. We're going to talk about a special form of dance known as aerial artistry, and we're even going to talk about mime. Think about that for a moment. We're going to talk about mime. I can guarantee you it's not going to be a silent conversation. Welcome to all of our viewers and listeners out there on YouTube and Facebook Live. Just a quick admin note, this is a pre-recorded edition. I am somewhere else tonight. I'm in two places at once due to the miracle of technology. But with us, we have Jeff and Alina Perot from Axe in Motion. Jeff and Alina, welcome to the Raven's Heart live stream. Yay, we're so excited to be here. We're fired up here. It is so exciting to have you guys on, and it's very appropriate for us to have you on because we talk a lot about music here, but dance is something that goes along with music. But before we get into that, I want to know how it was that Jesus saved you and how both of you came together as husband and wife. I'll let you go first, Lana. Uh, let me see. Well, my um, my father died when I was about 11 months old, and my mother and father were Christians. And my mom slowly went into the world. She became a bartender. My brothers and sisters were in drugs and alcohol. There was fighting all the time. But my mom would drop me off at different churches. She said they were just different flavors. And I always sang to Jesus. I always talked to Jesus, but I never heard him talk back to me until I was 13 years old. And I went to a Christian uh, kids camp and I went into the meetings and the presence of God just came on me like liquid love. I had never felt love like this. And I remember thinking in my head that all the worldly love is so shallow in comparison to the love of God. And he told me that if I served him, all my family would come to serve him. That's beautiful. Jeff, how about you? Well, I came from pretty much a typical, you know, broken family background. So the Lord had to dig deep to get a hold of me. I love what Corey Ten Boom says that, uh, you know, his arm's not so short, he cannot reach you know, those who are in deep pits. But anyhow, I was 16 years old and the Lord encountered me. Um, I was like 100 percent bona fide heathen, had the certificate, just living my life, you know, <laughs> doing the whole the whole the whole gamut. Long, long story short, 
someone was brave enough and is in Northern California to share the gospel with me. And about a year I ran away. And I, my response initially was, I have enough problems. I don't need Jesus. I mean, there's a calm foolery going on there. But anyhow, um, finally about a year um, of kind of running in a tug of war for my soul, I tell you, the Lord himself encountered me, brother. And it was like, uh, you know, it was so powerful because these Christians who kind of gave up on me, and there's so much to this, but I ran after them and pursued them. I remember after high school and I'm like, i got to have change. Something's got to happen in my life. I need transformation. I went and I hunted them down and they brought me in my upper room experience. I call it. It was like a gymnasium that had some classrooms up, uh, up in the, uh, the side there. And we prayed, they call it the classic sinner's prayer. But, uh, and this is the Baptist folks, by the way. And what's very, very interesting. I love the Baptist, man. They'll, they'll, tell you, they'll preach the gospel to you. Oh, they will. I'm having a radical encounter that's supernatural. By the creator. And I didn't realize it and believe in all that, but I'm having a radical encounter that's supernatural. And it's like this in a nutshell. It was like liquid oil from heaven coming in the inside of me, exploding on my center. It's like a cleaning agent that scrubbed out that sin and rebellion. I felt like a thousand pounds of just the, the weightiness of my sin. He broke that heavy yoke. And I'm telling you, brother, um, I've never been the same. And that was 30 seven years ago. And uh, we know, I mean, life's not easy, but uh, he has kept me all these years because he's so real and he's so powerful and he so loves us with an eternal love. I love, he's two years older than me, but we got saved the same year. I was 13 and he was 15. And were you like apart? Yeah, we didn't know each other. Oh, that is amazing. That is amazing. I just love the life that exudes from both of you when you share your testimony. And Jeff, I was like you in two instances. When I was growing up, I was like total heathen as well, but I had a religious background. And my mom was like, you should become a priest. I was like, I got enough problems of my own. Don't want to do anything with that. And then when somebody shared the gospel with me, I was like, no, thanks. I have enough issues. I don't want to deal with that. And I said a few other choice words to get the person to leave. So, <laughs> so how was it that you guys met? Oh my goodness. It was a Bill Gothard seminar. Uh, I was going to a church in San Jose and it was kind of a Baptocostal type of church. And he was a part of a Baptist church and they yeah. came over for the conference and he kept on putting his arm up and looking back at me. And she was a hottie, you know, she's a hottie. <laughs> and during, uh, we had a break, he comes driving up and he's got these blasting speakers. It was Holy Rollin'. Yeah. Holy Brian Duncan, rolling. holy rolling. I was holy bumping. Rolling. The whole parking lot. This is like a mega church. The whole parking lot could hear holy rolling as he was coming up. I mean, Jeff always made an entrance. That's right. That's right. And he came walking by and a friend of mine said, hey, Jeff, have you met my friend Alina? And so we all sat together and the rest is history. And the rest is history. Yeah. And here we are. And now you're not just a married couple, but you're ministering before the Lord and you're ministering with two and with other people. And Acts in Motion is much more than just a artistic outreach. It's actually a fellowship of believers. What is the overall mission of Acts in Motion? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Yes. Um, I'll say it to you this way. O2. 
I was in kind of the you know the mega church deal. There's been a lot of twists and turns and, and journey, but as O2, um, the Lord's really dealing with my heart. I was like, you know, those those times that you have, like there's gotta be more. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those times being pulled at by the Lord. And I was really longing and hungry for because we had so many wonderful experiences, and I'm like, I came, I kind of felt like I hit a wall. Um, you know, we uh, you know, we achieved, you know, Christian success you know, in quotes. Yeah. And, but then why was this longing in my heart? And and that's when I um, was encountered by God. My wife and I are both reading the book of Acts and I was reading the pages, brother. And I was comparing my current reality, what was going on in, in, in Christendom. And when I was reading in the pages of the scriptures and there was incongruency, it didn't match. And I was just uh, weeping and breaking and longing for the Lord to to really answer that. So in the book of Acts, um, you know, just digesting and processing when there was great grace on them and they had all things in common. The power of God was being displayed and and they cared deeply one for another. Just this powerful, powerful stuff in the book of Acts. The Lord encounters me with this prophetic um sort of a a word and he said acts in motion Mm -hmm. so the lord himself is prophesying that and he said son i'm going to make you and i really believe that you as a collective was like the whosoever i'm going to make you an expression of my new early church and that was 20 years ago and he says don't try to reinvent the will i have my pattern my pattern is my son my pattern is family Mm -hmm. and it really spoke to me deeply. And then he, you know, in subsequent, you know, different encounters, he talked about everything he does in his kingdom. It it, it operates and functions by relationship, but that's like the bedrock and the foundation of acts of motion Four pillars of the mission is there's a brokenness and a lot of identity crisis. So Mm -hmm. we need to address the issue of identity and help people understand their identity in the Lord and sonship. Number two, is uh, intimacy, you know, just the ABCs of our faith. How do we keep intimate with the Lord, with our with yes. our disciplines of the scriptures and personal worship and personal prayer and just devotion? And number three, community and how basically the quality of our intimacy and understanding of our of our identity is played out and actually tried and tested, as you know, in community. And so that's really important. That's Ecclesia, the called out people in the yes. Lord. Number four is legacy. And those are the four points of uh, really the mission of, of, of acts and motion, because we're not a bunch of inbreds here. Yeah. No We've got to have some legacy. We got to disciple some others and love some others and really give our lives for others. So also, also a slogan is love God, love others, preach the gospel and make disciples. That's right. It's the great commandment and, and the, the great, great commission. commission. And it's like, that's the bottom line. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We're here to really honor the Lord with that and not just ourselves but really pour into other people, the, the whosoevers that want to be followers of Jesus. We're also doing homesteading as well. Animal husbandry, organic gardening. I mean, you know, learning it all. From, uh, you know, we're California city people on a farm, <laughs> seven acre farm. 
<laughs> and you moved all the way to South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> Little did you know what you were getting yourself into. Well, something that your ministry has in common with what we're doing here at Lithos Crying with Raven's Heart is you're tearing down some walls of religion. Mm-hmm. What are these walls that you're tearing down and why is it important that these things are just totally obliterated? Fear of man, bondage, lack of liberty and freedom. People, uh, uh, Jesus came to set the captives free, not put them in bondage. And religion will put you in bondage. And so many people read the scriptures and take one little scripture. They don't, the Old Testament and the New Testament, they don't thread it through the love of God, through Jesus Christ and what he did and what he paid for us, paid for women and men, you know, Jews and Gentiles. He paid for it all, paid in full. And we're here to set people free. See, I'm an introvert. And a lot of times people say, oh, I'm just quiet. I don't express. And I am a triple (laughs) introvert. And when the Lord started healing my soul, I started getting more verbal. I started expressing myself more. I started talking. Even as Jeff, I used to laugh like nothing came out. That That was how uh, uh, chained down I was. I couldn't even laugh out loud. I was afraid of looking stupid. So I didn't even have air coming out of me. <laughs> and so when the Lord started healing me, doing the inner healing, all this expression, all this stuff started coming out of me, freedom and life. I would have never taken you as an introvert, Alina. I'm a triple introvert. And Lord's done a lot of miracles, Glenn. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing of our blending because I'm a double extrovert. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. There's no change to my game, brother. I just, uh, you know, I love to communicate the, the goodness of God. But it's interesting what came to my mind. The origin of religion means to bind. It's very, really? very interesting. And I don't really mind um, what that means is like, what are we bound to? Mm-hmm. Is the Lord Jesus Christ or the traditions of men? Yes. So we came to break those walls down and just to you know, define terms and help people understand. Um, but really it's helping people understand their identity and sonship and their value. And they have a role and a, and a, and a responsibility in the kingdom of God. And it's just, mm-hmm. and it just anything that kind of hinders that or the enemy attacking that, I tell you, brother, I go for the juggler because I do not like seeing people uh, just put in a box and and minimized. And and we see what's going on in religion in this world. And so as the word of God says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're very, very serious with that. Down with the system, everybody. We're taking, we're taking it down. You know, I really like what you're saying about identity crisis and finding identity in Christ. Because that even ties into the shirt that I chose to wear for this live stream tonight. I have my Red Letter Rising shirt on, and we just interviewed them several weeks ago. And they have a song that they just released called Identity Christ Is. And it's about your identity in Christ. It's a very, very powerful song, very powerful edition that we did with Red Letter Rising. So I got to give my boys over there a shout out for the work that they're doing for the Lord. Alina, so I'm going to tap into the introvert and bring out some extrovert in you. And we're going to put the spotlight on you for a minute here. So we're going to talk about dance and aerial artistry. For those that don't know what it is, what is aerial artistry and 
where did this art form come from? It actually came from uh, circus acrobatics. Uh, the first mention of someone doing the aerial silks was in 19, was it 1959? Mm. And um, the students were asked to make a difference in their world. And this one gal, it doesn't say her name, but this one gal decided to use the fabric coming from the ceiling as her a piece that she did to make a difference in the world. Well, that was 1959, but it wasn't until 1989 that Cirque du Soleil uh, started introducing the silks into their performances. Interesting. And actually, 19 was it 1998 uh, was when they first started uh, using it as an actual uh, uh, act or performance or a way of training. So it's not very long that it's really been out there um, as an art form. Wow. Wow. I, I have to admit, I do have some experience personally with aerial artistry. You did not know this. Little known facts about Glenn. We'll go back to my Episcopal church days. I was 13 years old, maybe 14, and I was assigned to be a church usher. I was really excited about that because I was a young guy being an usher. It was my job to ring the bell in the belfry in the, yeah. in the main foyer. That's so right. they were like, Glenn, go ring the bell. So I pulled down this big rope. Nobody told me to let go. So I went flying up. <laughs> so as everybody's coming into church, I'm just whizzing around on, on the rope. <laughs> yeah, and that is a true, true story. So that's how I got introduced to aerial artistry. Alina, when was it that you learned how to dance and what got you into aerial artistry? Well, when I first got saved at 13 years old, um, it was in a Christian camp and I kept going back to the camps and they always put on mimes and dances and acting. And I immediately took to that. I was creating my own mime. Um, I was watching other Christian mimes. Mimistry International does mimes. And I just started mimicking it right away. And then later on, I think it was after we got married, um, I actually did a mime for one of the pastors in a church that we were going to. We're in San Jose, California. We're in San Jose, California. And he says, Alina, I think you need to go get some training. And honestly, I was crushed, but that was the best thing he could have ever done. Because then we started going to Mimistry doing workshops. I was getting videos and, and training. And it was in dance. It was in mime and flags and streamers. I went to uh, studios to be trained in dance. Also colleges to be trained in dance. Um, and then I would just start uh, teaching right away. Jeff and I, yeah. what we... Uh, learned, we started using right away and teaching others. We actually had a school, Yielded Vessels. It was a nine-month program, and it wasn't just learning aerial. So, I mean, sorry, we didn't do aerial back then, but um, the dance, the mime, the flags, and the streamers. It was also evangelism, yeah. uh, getting their testimony out of the students, having them putting it on a track, and we took them to Guatemala, and we were actually doing a, a piece called Storyteller, which is an incredible incredible, amazing, powerful piece for the gospel. And we were doing it in all the schools with the team that we took to Guatemala. And I think like about a thousand people received Christ while we were there. Powerful. And we had them give their testimony, but we also had them put their testimony in a track. So they handed out their own testimonies as we went all over Guatemala. It's called my story. 
Yeah, my story. That's amazing. And do you still teach today, Alina? Um, I do online. I do more of the aerial silks now, and I do a lot of training online for people. I do go and sub uh, from for some aerial schools. Um, we just did some training over at Cornerstone Flags and Streamers and stuff like that, and also teaching the background of dance and scriptural-based uh, dance. So if somebody lives in Sheboygan, Michigan, and you're in South Carolina, they can learn how to do aerial dancing from you online? Well, um, you really want to go into a class. When you're first starting, you really need to have an instructor because it is very dangerous. You can hurt yourself or even kill yourself doing oh, the yeah. circus arts. And so you really need to be in a class first and have a teacher. And then once you've got the foundation, you can learn. I, I, there's people who've actually just learned from videos. I have training on YouTube, aerial artistry instructor. I have training on Instagram, but I would definitely suggest to have an actual teacher, find someone in your area. I am going to be coming out with a, a website that's going to have a library of moves that people can subscribe to soon. So I can perfect my aerial artistry that I began yeah. when I was 14, swinging from the uh, belfry ropes. <laughs> yeah, there is a, it's called cord lease, which is an aerial rope, which I train in that too. And I teach that. So how can somebody get in touch with you if they want to know more about aerial artistry or maybe receive some instruction or, or advice from you? Uh, info at axinmotion.com. The axe, like the book of axe, A-C-T-S-I-N. M-O-T-I-O-N.com, axemotion.com, or our phone number is 704-707-3077. That's our church uh, line where they can leave a message at. And operators are standing by, ready to take your call. <laughs> so now it's time for the $64,000 question and to, to get people to think and to loose those bands of religion that bind us. Where in scripture does it give us permission to use dance as a form of worship? Because there are still many today that say, uh-uh, not, not in the church. Where can we find it in scripture? I want Jeff to start with Miriam. Well, it's like what I feel is uh, the best way to begin is to understand core. What is the point and the purpose of why we do what we do? And I'm talking in general terms as far as as a follower of Jesus, because we're called to be worshipers. Yes. And again, referencing where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so interesting because um, when you even look at the, the account of Jesus and the woman at the well, it's very interesting. They, they had some dialogue, but it ended up with this about worship. And he said this to the woman at the well. He talked about um, that the father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the Lord seeks after those kind of people. So every time we uh, communicate, you know, communicate about the arts and when we train, it doesn't come from this prima donna check me out Hollywood Jesus perspective. And this is worship, this is really really important for all of us and, and the people that are, that are watching this uh, to understand is we got to have our heart 
in a place of surrender. And that's what we see in the pages of the scriptures is there's people that had expression, but it came from a place. And the place was a devotion and a place of the love for the creator. And the first mention of dance really is in the, is in the context of deliverance. <laughs> and it's actually Exodus 15 with Miriam. And now look at this. Okay, Pharaoh and his boys are riding hard down the tail of, of the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And they're in a conundrum because their back was against the Red Sea. Exactly. <laughs> and the Lord, how miraculous and wonderful he is, you know, the whole story, he split the Red Sea and they went to the other side on dry land. And the the sea came and, and, it, and it drowned the entire Egyptian army. And they set up an altar, but look at this. It's very, very powerful. When they saw the hand of Yahweh deliver them, something happened in their heart as a tribe. They began to sing and the rejoice and the praise of the Lord. I want to actually read a little bit of this account in Exodus 15. I'm not going to read the whole song, but it is really powerful. amazing, and I encourage all of us, so read the entire chapter. But it starts off this way. When they all sing, and singing this, I will sing the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider has he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will, per- and I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. In the depths, the depths have covered them. They sink into the bottom as a stone, etc. They're singing this out. As Miriam's dancing. And so what happened is this. Now the ladies get inspired as they were all singing. She pulls out her timbrel, her tambourine, and starts prophetically dancing. I believe her and a troop, an entire troop, I believe they're enacting prophetically what was going on in the song. It's very interesting, real time. My wife and I have had this happen to us many times, many times and have also trained people to prophetically move out when the song of the Lord is being sung. So okay. it's real. But that was a context of deliverance, Glenn. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, when when a people are delivered and they realize how good God is and he frees them, something happens to our faculties. Mm. And I know from personal experience, <laughs> I mean, I got to shout. I got yes. to raise my hand. I got to do a Pentecostal shuffle. I got to do something. But it <laughs> comes from that place on the inside. And that's what's very, very important. When our hearts are tender to the Holy Spirit, something happens with our body. And I also want to say this. I really believe this is an alignment with what it is to love God. Remember mm-hmm. what Jesus said? And he talked about, hey, what's the greatest command? And he said, the love of the Lord, our God, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, in the second is like in the first, you love your neighbor yourself. And and he says, all of the law and the prophets hinge on this. I'm like, 
Now let's right. let's just let's just back up for a minute. Let's think for a minute here. How do I love God with my strength? It's a very interesting notion. Oh yes. And I know from personal experience. I mean, when I, I call it the zone. The zone. I'm yes. in a zone. I mean, it's this place in the Lord. There is no inhibition. There is no fear of man. The zone. You're in his and presence. something happens to my body. Something happens to my voice. Something happens to my feet and my heart. And I start moving and shouting and glorifying God. I'm loving him with my strength. But also it's very, very powerful is as expressionists or mime or dancers to need that prophetic unction to express his love for the people through movement. It's absolutely amazing. And we've been experiencing this for, I mean, it's been almost 30 years, brother. So we've had a lot of encounters, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, traction in in history with this, but it's so powerful. We're loving God and seeing his love prophetically enacted to the people. Second Samuel, David dancing with all of his might before the Lord. Yeah, chapter six. And then also in Amos 9, 11, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the day of old. He is repairing and raising up the tabernacle of David. David danced before the Lord with all of his might because the ark that was gone for how long? It's like a setup that almost, it's, this is an interesting little factoid. The Ark of the Covenant was taken by the Philistines. And it was taken to the northern country. It wasn't even in the tabernacle of congregation, the tabernacle of Moses. Up to 40 years, the religionists went through their traditions and their ceremony without the presence. Oh. Is that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah, and it's in the house of Obed-Edom. And that's why David danced. So with all of his mind, I want to go here a little bit. uh, Because he went with the people of Israel when he was king to get the presence, the Ark of the Covenant. This is what inspired the dance. And it wasn't just David. The entire tribe was jubilant and excited. And then when, when the roads narrowed to Jerusalem, David himself, as a representative of the people, took off his kingly garments. And he was in his linen ephod. And the words as he danced with all of his might before the Lord. And I want to give this uh, very interesting uh, fact on this. When an enemy king this is so good. was conquered. They would make the, the the conquering army would make that king strip himself naked and dance foolishly uh, in front of the conquering army. And oh. now look at this. I mean, this is so amazing because the conquering king Yeshua Hamashiach <laughs> Yahweh conquered David's yes. heart. He stripped himself of anything that was prestige or even as uh, when he came into the, the city it, even his wife despised him mm-hmm. and he says i could dance more undignified i can yeah. act more undignified than, than this. this i mean he <laughs> had no shame to his game because he was so in captured he was so in his king. he was so uh just uh gripped by his conquering king so this i believe is the 
origin of why we today in Christendom uh, should move and express. If it's on your face weeping, if the hands are raising them, I mean, there's like, I mean, there's 17 different Hebrew words for, for praise. I mean, we can go deep 16 into this stuff. 16 on dance, 16 Hebrew words on dance. Some are to spin violently. Some are to leap and jump for joy. Others are dance teams, uh, processions. Uh, there's one on a dance leader. There's eight uh words on dance in the in the new testament greek words in the new testament i mean there is something to dance when there's that many <laughs> words in the in the old testament in the new testament i mean look at the jews they were a festive people yeah, the they, men yeah. danced yes they did i want to do this as well hey lena can you express what happened to jesus when he rejoiced, can you explain that? Oh, that is let Jesus me see here. danced. Luke ten twenty one. Um, it said uh, Jesus danced. He leaped and sprung. Uh, Luke ten twenty one. He rejoiced. It's Agaleo, and the much the much uh, rejoicing is Halome, which means leaping and springing. So Jesus was leaping and springing in front of the people rejoicing. So awesome. even Jesus danced. Wow. He cut wow. the rug, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see awesome. so much. There's so much going on here. And I see so clearly that there is a relationship between dance and the prophetic. Yes. Just like there's a, a relationship between music and the prophetic. Yeah. There's also a relationship between dance and warfare yes. and conquering and victory. Oh. I have to ask this question. Why is it that the spirits of darkness that are the religious spirits and the spirits of perverseness, why do they have such a strong hold on dance to either degrade it or to prevent it? What are they afraid of? Well, if you think about it, um, strip joints use the aerial hoop. And it's to seduce men and into perversion. Well, yeah. you know, we're coming from a heart of a worshiper, surrendering everything, our heart, ourselves to God. And it has such a strong pull towards God. So we want to make sure everything that we do is submitted to the Lord and that our hearts are submitted to the Lord. What we do is submitted to the Lord because there is a strong pull of freedom and liberty when you are moving and I mean, just think about it, your eye gates. I mean, uh, we are the eyes of God when we're doing yeah. the arts, just like you are the sound of God when you're doing singing. We are the eyes of God. And so and, and the enemy, you know, it can be the eyes of the enemy and sensuality and evil. So, I mean, God created everything. He's the creator, not the devil. The devil is a created being and he is just an imitator. And so everything out there is the Lord's. The whole earth and the fullness thereof is the Lord's. But the enemy tries to take and pervert something and use it to entice and hurt people. But then there's the there's the opposite side where God wants it to use it to minister to people. And I one thing about um, the arts is Jeff was a, a preacher, whether in the church or on the streets. But he saw the effectiveness 
awesomeness of when we did dance and mimes and realized how powerful when they won't stop for preaching, they will stop for the arts and the gospel presentation powerful. coming forth. And we use uh, the cross a lot. I want people to see what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's why he does the stations of the cross. Um, and I almost in every piece, I want people to see how Jesus died and bled and rose again for us, what he purchased and what he paid for, how, how he, and what he went through. I mean, it's powerful. It's a powerful yeah. expression. Just like look at Hollywood. They're using mm -hmm. it for evil, yeah. but God wants it to use it for good. Look at uh, the chosen. Yes, that's a powerful, yeah, powerful expression for for good. Yeah, yes. I want to add this is, um, I think, going again back to to maybe root or origin. Yes. You got to realize that Lucifer himself in his very being. And I think it's in Ezekiel. Was there's actually mentality formed in his very being. And here's what I believe happened. See, when the enemy fell, he was no longer the director, if you will, of heaven um, in worship and adoration because he fell. We took that position. Mm -hmm. And so he's constantly wanting it back. And so as the Holy Spirit's looking for surrendered vessels, the enemy is looking for vessels that will surrender to him as well. So there's this cosmic battle going on. But here's the deal. The enemy is the father of lies. And he'll always pervert things, always twist things. He's an imposter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's why I believe there's this cosmic battle going on. But we're not going to yield that ground and territory to the enemy. That's it right. belongs to Lord Jesus Christ. So we have chosen against all odds, against ridicule, against embarrassment, yes. against. I mean, I, we, we've taken some hits oh, over yeah. the years, but we are holding the ground and taking territory because we know when people have an experience yes. with God, it's transformative. So mm -hmm. the end of the day, this is really a war for the souls of men. It is. And when people are entertained and the, and the enemy brings that eye candy and sucks them in and, and seduces them, it's like the hook. It's like we need to break those things. And that's why I love using the flags. Because that when those things rip yes. in the air and you're just like, you know, his I banner over us is those. love, right? But we love warring with the flags and using his visual, using his um, banners and his movement and his flow to see people brought into the kingdom of God. That is beautiful. We're taking all of this stuff that the enemy has taken and stolen and perverted and we're bringing it back to where it belongs. We're bringing the presence yes. back. We're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back from, from Babylon. We're bringing it all back to the temple yes. um, so that God can be glorified, people can be ministered to, and they can have that encounter with the presence. And that's what you're doing. And I had the, the you know, yes, and we are, we are the temple. That is exactly right. Temple. Yes. Bring Just, it back, bro. Bring, bring it back. It back to <laughs> exactly. You were in Charleston with us just a few months ago at Get Revelation Rock Fest, and you performed a piece that to, at, during the during the event. I'm going to show a clip of that in a few moments for those that are watching on Facebook and YouTube. Can you give us the backstory behind what this piece was about? What were you demonstrating? 
Oh my goodness. Okay. So when you asked uh, me to do a piece and it's a rock festival, so I kept on looking for a rock song, you know, but that would still give, cause I kept on hearing the cross. The Lord keeps on saying, remind people of the cross, remind people of what I've done. So I was trying to find a rock piece and you can still do the stations of the cross to a rock piece, but I kept on getting the song Yeshua. And it's a worship song. And I just kept getting it over and over. And every time I tried to go to a rock song, I kept going back to Yeshua. And then I kind of got the okay from you. It's like whatever the Holy Spirit gives you. And so I just wanted people to see that, you know, how he was beaten and whipped and, and, and nailed to the cross for them and how he rose again. It says, you know, that part where it says our God reigns. I said, Jeff, just stay there dead. You know, as Jesus mm -hmm. died for us, stay there. Our God reigns. And then it says our God reigns again. And then you see the life come back into him and he starts moving. I just wanted people to see what he had done for us, but that he's alive. And it frees us to be alive as well and to do what he has called us to do. Yeah. And there's um, there's power in his name. Yes. And there's something very significant about that Hebrew name, Yeshua. And it literally means God is salvation. So in his very nature, in his very name is salvation. And there's a term it's called paratextual. So it's a really, it's a beautiful song. It has some really neat, uh, uh, you know, moments in it. But we did a paratextual yes. flow. So I did, I did from the Garden of Gethsemane, all the way to the resurrection. Okay. And and uh, just and bring a through paratextual mind. expression, you know, through mime or expressionism. And maybe I could touch on that a little bit. We've been trained professionally. It's called classic mime. Yes. That came really from France. I mean, it actually came Marcel, all the way back from, from probably Rome back in the days of, uh, you know, of the Caesars. Yeah. But anyhow. Um, they, used to, they used to tell the news through mimes back in the day. Really? Yes. That's how they got their news was through mimes. The gestures. The gestures. Not only were they oh. performing, but that's how they kind of spread news through the, uh, through the kingdoms uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the ages. Isn't that yes. interesting? That is fascinating. They express things. And uh, that so, is yeah, fascinating. Time, uh, we were trained up kind of a hybrid sort of uh, flow from, from Marceau. Um, and then my mystery, um, you know, so our teachers from there, but yeah, it was very, uh, very powerful to bring that to the rock fest. And I tell you, I felt the atmosphere yes. so supercharged. Yes. And we also brought the banners. Yes. And, 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 and kind of brought that into the mix of the paratextual sort of, uh, uh, you know, flow. Great. That was so Woo! beautiful. And Jeff, you're, you're right. The atmosphere was super charged yes. uh, when that was going on. That's me in the background yelling so I could get on the sound <laughs> track, <you know? laughs> trying to get on the live album in the, in the audience. And normally, normally I'm above Jeff and he's right below me. And so next year I'm hoping either I get a higher stand or we're able to somehow, it is so powerful when he is spinning in the cross and I'm above him. High above when you when an aerialist is higher, it, it just is oh yeah. gosh, it's so amazing. As I was watching what you do and searching through the scriptures and preparing for this edition, the word hovering just kept coming back to me. That hovering, and it took me to the hovering of the Holy Spirit, especially yes. 
over the chaos of the destruction during the time that everything was being created out of the out of the destruction and the waste of what was before and how the holy spirit just hovers and it just does that and i just see that so clearly when i see you on on the silks doing that i'm just it's just a picture of the holy spirit how the holy spirit hovers over the chaos jeff i want to ask you a question before we talk about mime and we're gonna have to take a quick commercial break in a second but the banners um we were talking about those a second ago and it wasn't until you guys came to charleston and you started using them in the way that you did it wasn't just like hey we're waving a flag for jesus when you take those things i thought some you know if somebody was standing by i was gonna chop their head off just the way it goes down and and it cuts um What's going on in the unseen realm when you do that? Because you're cutting through the air, okay? And I know that musical instruments, they have an impact, a pneumatic impact on the spiritual realm. What's going on in the spiritual realm with the banners? Well, let me just say the scripture before Jeff goes on. Song of Solomon 610. Who is she who looks forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, awesome as an army with banners? Mm. So when uh, again going back to that concept of of the zone, um, and again we do this by faith, you know, because we we had to press through some things. So you know, especially that day, as you know, there was a lot of warfare against us. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, uh, you know, my body wasn't totally uh, dialed the way I was hoping it would be dialed. And I was feeling some aches and pains, quite frankly. So by faith, when I jumped up. I just, uh, again, it goes from that, that, that core place. It was like a soldier who was yes. going into battle. I mean, that I, yes. I really, I mean, I feel that kind of faith and that kind of aggressiveness, yes. that boldness. And there's a couple of things happening that day. I'll go ahead and zero in on, on that was not, it's not just about my personal liberty and my personal expression, uh, my personal liberty and my personal expression is designed for something mm-hmm. and to set others free. And so I just felt by the spirit of God, don't just, you know, wave flags around and do what you do militantly start handing them out to other people. It was amazing. We probably had 30 people out there yes. waving flags oh, it was amazing. We in, in sync and just uh, kind of spontaneously kind of leading the, the group in, in some very yes. powerful movement. So number one, it delights our father. And when father is delighted, as the word says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he must flee. I just felt the devil was fleeing. There was a certain, there was a certain submission and fluidity and flow and unity as we submitted to father and the enemy was just fleeing. And there was, I don't know if you remember that, but there was, there was great joy that oh, yes. was going on. I mean, there was a tangible yeah. shalom. I felt the peace of God. It wasn't just because Aline and I did our show. I saw all of us come together in that, you know, in that uh, as one. I don't know if you ever yes. saw the gladiator, but it was that uh, there's this one line that he had when they were, um, you know, pretty much being set up for failure. But, uh, you know, Russell Crowe, the, the gladiator, he said, hey, watch me. And listen to me. And when they come out and they do different things, he says, let's be as one. It was kind of like that. The only way you're going to survive. It's the only way you're going to survive. I felt like that. I felt a moment by the spirit of God, like an as one. It was like an army that was 
under command. It was yes. very, very powerful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what you guys did, and this is something that's going to be coming out next week. Um, Deb, my wife, is going to be doing a lithospites about this. But the warfare that occurred there, and it was prophesied that this was going to happen uh, from the leadership at the church that I'm a part of, that it was going to open up angelic portals. And sure enough, the Sunday night after Rockfest, Deb had some experience with that wow. outside at about about midnight. She's going to come on a lithospites next week and, and talk about that and about yeah. a dream that she had as well. But what you did actually opened up angelic portals in Charleston, yeah. and we're still reaping the, the the benefits of that. There's some major moves of God that are that are working right now in the city. We'll be right back in a moment. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to talk about mime. Yes, we can talk about mime, even though it is a silent art. A perfect way to proudly display your love of God and country is with a custom-made wooden flag from 100% reclaimed materials. The Rugged American Flag Company can design a custom wooden flag for you or a loved one. A custom wooden flag makes the perfect gift for those serving in the military, law enforcement, emergency services, or any other profession of service. Call 803-521-0708 or email the Rugged American Flag Company, that's the Rugged American FLGCO, at gmail.com to design your flag today. Stay rugged and rock on America. So mime. It's really easy for me to dig into Strong's Concordance, which actually I use one to boost myself up so that you can see me better on the camera. Um, but Strong's Concordance, I can go through and find dance all over the place in Strong's Concordance and find it in Scripture. But there's nothing, there's no mime in the Concordance or in Scripture directly. Where do we find mime or something like mime in the Bible? prophets in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's very, very interesting when you look at, because uh, we did a lot of study on this when we're being trained over the years, because these are real, real, um, real questions. Yes. And again, coming back to the heart of a worshiper, uh, mind could be also known as expressionism. And when you're expressing love to God with all of your strength, it's, uh, it's like storytelling. But here's what's very, very interesting. If you go and start studying the prophets like Ezekiel and, and um, Isaiah, there was actually gestures yes. that they did. Like uh, like standing, you know, like like sitting in front of the gates, um, cooking on dung and then putting the pan up between his face and heaven. Like like the heavens are brass, Israel. You prayers. need to repent. Wow. And, uh, and, and like, here's one thing that's very interesting as well. I mean, even Isaiah, I think it's for three years, he walked around naked. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> it was a prophetic gesture. He was telling mm -hmm. a story of the nakedness of Israel. Mm -hmm. And then you had, I mean, it's, it's constant through scripture about, you know, what do you see? Son of God, you know, or, or son, uh, prophet, or, or son of man, um, and it's like it's interesting, and and this these different enactments, you know, Jeremiah, and there's a that's pretty much if you look at it, you really dig in, Glenn, you'll see a lot of storytelling by the prophets. It's very very interesting, intriguing. We don't have time now to go into all the detail, but look at some of the odd things that God had the prophets do. I mean, odd, bizarre yeah. things. You know, I'm going to have you back on and we'll, we'll just focus on that, on, on talking about that, because uh, it is fascinating. And I was looking at that this morning of Ezekiel laying on his side for 390 days, cooking yeah. on manure, you know, 
I could imagine the discernment videos on YouTube that would have come out back then about this crazy guy doing this. That's not of God. Well, yeah, it was. And it was reproving you. And, you know, when you move in that freedom, especially with what you do. And I, I believe, you know, cause you, you've said it that you've, you know, caught some flack for what you do. You've gotten some pushback and everything like that, but your freedom reproves the religious. It reproves, yeah. you know, the, the, the sin of those that are, that are just bound by it. And that's what's going on. And that's what that response is, um, you know, to you It's it's a reproof and somebody who's walking in the spirit, they understand and they can see what's going on. Uh, I mean, it was just absolutely beautiful what you did in Charleston. And we just got a few short minutes left. And Jeff, I want to ask this question because we might have an aspiring mime what do you call them? mimist mimers? What what is it? Expressionists or expressionists? Yeah. How did you get into mime, and where did you learn mime, and how can somebody learn mime? Yeah, I can. Um, we train too. Yeah, we, we we also do training. But what happened Workshop. to me is I was primarily a, a street preacher, and I'm still okay. a preacher. Um, I'm the orator of the Lord. It's real real call and demand of God, and we're on the streets. And my wife was really kind of focused on, on the, you know, she's very, you know, kind of artsy and, and, uh, and it's great and stuff. But when I began to see the response of people and how walls broke down when the movement came to receive the word of the Lord, you know, coupled with, you know, charitable things, you know, feeding the homeless. We had a really cool, uh, you know, sort of uh, system to really reach people. But that's when I began to like, hey. There's something very, very powerful about this expressionism and dance and, and, and flags that I made a decision to really go all in. And we went and got professionally trained, um, I mean, years. Uh, and I was also running my own business. I ran an ad agency for, for a number of years in the Silicon Valley. So I had to kind of, you know, work my, my, my schedule and timing. But we did a lot of workshops and, and I drove multiple different places. But here's what happened. Many Glenn, nations. Is we actually learned what we learned and we immediately began to apply it not mm-hmm. only for ourselves but to teach others yes. to take on on the mission field and to take on the streets so that's why it cemented into us because uh, when we when we learned we then applied and so we um, are available you know again axeinmotion.com axeinmotion.com or info at axeinmotion.com to get a hold of us and if you have any questions um if people um want to know you know kind of where to be directed um we'd be more than happy to fill questions on that i want to give one testimony because we absolutely were in minneapolis yeah. uh, with a firebase and they do like citywide uh, it's a prayer room where it's 24 7 prayer and worship 24 seven evangelism for like a week or 10 days. And people come from all over the nation to be a part of this. Well, when we got there, um, the Lord had me prepare a dance mob with the aerial at the end. And I just prepared because the Lord told me when I get there, we got, we get there early and two people had, one had a prophetic uh, vision. Another had a dream and said in the staff meeting, I hadn't said anything yet. And so we saw you doing some dance on the streets with the group. (laughs) And so we started training a a bunch of people. We had hip hop, uh, ballet, we had expressionism, banners, flags. And then I came up on the aerial at the end. Well, what happened was we were in the middle of pride, the whole pride parade. Oh, okay. 
week in Minneapolis. It was crazy. And bro. Jeff is doing the stations of the cross. This guy comes walking by named Steven. And he was he a just, homosexual, he was with, a homosexual with, his, with, his, with his cronies. With his lovers. And he stands right in front of Jeff. I'm talking about like a few like feet. Right here. Like right in front of Jeff. And he's like in awe. And people were grabbing him. Come on, guy. Let's go. Let's go, Stephen. Let's go. And he's like, no, can't you feel that? Can't you feel that presence? Don't you feel that? After he stayed and got, he, he asked the Lord into his heart. Yeah, he, he actually stayed there. Yeah. But I was doing the entire enactment of, of the cross. Yeah. And he was right here, Glenn. And he's mesmerized. There's a presence of God. And he was wooing him. Yeah. And it reminds me of the scripture, you know, no man uh, cometh unto me unless the Father draw him. Yes. And the Lord was really drawn. His name was Stephen. And we bless him now. Amen. Like, Amen. Hold of Stephen's heart, man. We it's about two, awesome. two in the morning. On the streets of On Minneapolis. Streets, yeah. That's a good testimony of, of just the power of the arts. Yeah. That, that, really, that really is. And, you know, it also shows the difference between kingdom and religion. Yeah. Religion would try to stand there and convince somebody that they need to be saved and argue with them and get in a fight and yeah. talk down to them. All we have to do is be present and be, be obedient. And it's God that does the drawing and does the saving. Oh. We ain't changing anybody. Jesus is doing the changing because it's totally supernatural. Hey, we're going to close out real quick, guys. If you could just hold on real fast. I have a few things to share with our viewers and our listeners real quick. We will be back live next week. And yes, it's going to be a double shot Thursday. Uh, we've got two editions starting at 8 p.m. on uh, next Thursday night, August 11th, we got Jennifer Benson and the band Ingnison at 8. And at 9.15, we're going to be checking out a brand new track from our friends, Dead Sin, all the way out in Texas. And boy, we interviewed them a year ago, and they have been doing some amazing things. God's been blessing their ministry, and we're really excited about that. Jeff and Alina, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast. We're going to have to do this again. Yes, we are. We we love being with you. Thank you. Love you guys. And thank you for what you did at Rockfest and to everybody that's out there on YouTube, Facebook and podcast land. Peace out and rock on. Lithoscry.com.